0: what's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of straight up sabers presented by the hockey podcast network and the charging buffalo presented by thin man brewery as always i'm brendan and i'm taylor and taylor the buffalo tage thompson's with a commanding nine four victory over the columbus blue jackets the sabers took over in the first period in this game with six goals and never looked back thompson led the way with a whopping six points Five goals, Taylor, and one assist. And I want to double check this, but I'm pretty sure I just saw that it was all in only 13.56 of ice time tonight, which is outrageous. On top of that, Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck each had four points apiece, and Darlene and Cousins both had three points on the night. Jacob Bryson had a pair of assists. Jack Quinn also had an assist, and Peyton Krebs scored a beauty of a goal. Very nice to see him break through there. The story of this game, though, folks, Tage Thompson, this man is completely dominating as he has been all year. Same thing as all throughout last year, but really this year, it has just gone up to another level and look no further than tonight for evidence of that. The thing that is so insane about Tage when it comes to his versatility is the fact that he is scoring so many different kinds of goals. When we think about Tage, you know, his, his shot is lethal. He has an elite one timer from the half wall. He has incredible hands and can deke, through pretty much an entire team's worth of defenders, especially in close and around the net. But he also can carry the puck into the zone and shoot from just about anywhere in the offensive zone and score. He is firmly establishing himself as one of the best goal scorers in the NHL today. He's now up to third in the league in goals, Taylor, behind only Jason Robertson and Connor McDavid.
1: Yeah, it's pretty absurd because he's also fourth in points now. Uh uh-huh. a-, a couple of years ago, this is a guy that was, you know, if you he'd, he'd play him a full season, he could get like seven goals. And now it seems like that could be a game for him. I mean, shit, if he played the full game tonight, if he really played like the kind of shift load he would normally have, he probably would have seven goals in that game. Uh, It's it's wild. And now I, I guess you're almost to the point where you have to think does he have one of the best contracts in hockey for any non rookie. I think he does.
0: Absolutely. He does. I mean, I don't think anybody in their right mind can say that they were predicting that he would pop off like this, but the signs were there
1: that giving him that contract was was well warranted. 100%, yeah. Well, we thought the deal was fair. The critics yeah. thought it was a huge risk and or stirred up stupid. We just thought it was a fair deal. I don't think a lot of people thought, oh, that's going to look like a bargain soon. Which, by the way, hasn't even kicked in yet, but man, yeah, it's incredible. And like, on the broadcast tonight, they were talking about, would you trade Tate straight up for Jack Eichel? And my answer is immediately no. And it's not just an emotional thing. It's mm-hmm. not just a forgetting logistics. Obviously, he doesn't want to be here, Jack. It's forgetting all that. It's not just about that. It's just like at this point, they're close enough as players that you can just look and go, well, contracts, injuries. You know, Normally, it's not something. Th- there's very few people in the league that you'd be like, oh, I would trade person X for Jack Eichel mm-hmm. or even consider it. But now it's like, yeah, Tage is one of those guys where you have to be like, well, you got to look at the contract and Jack's injury history. Like it's insane. It's legitimately insane. Uh, and I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about this shit, man. As well, this top line, like we will talk about, you know, how everyone looks, but like nine goals in so many of them involved Skinner, Tuck, Thompson, and I, Dalen, I would count as an honorary member of the first line since it feels like he's <laughs> he played so much with those guys. Uh, so many of the points came from them. I think in the first period, only five guys had points on the six goals, even though five of the six goals had two assists on them. Like Skinner had four assists today. Tuck had three points, and obviously Jack Quinn was good today too. And then the biggest news story of the day, Peyton Krebs got on the score sheet for the first time this season. Great to
0: see. Great to see. Well, I think all of this, you know, speaks to a couple of points and Henrik Lundqvist, he correctly identified the Sabres offense as elite on the broadcast. And I will also in turn just correctly identify him as ridiculously handsome still, but
1: the yeah. Fact tough is- take by him on the goalies though.
0: Correct, correct. I know he's part of the goalie union. Also, but- I completely forgot who it was, but somebody on the broadcast said, Hey, how about that? Yoki, hire you deal? And just went on to try and say a bunch of complimentary things. And I was like, I don't think he does any of that stuff. I, I, I really don't. Look at you as a kind of guy who holds the line and is great in both zones. That was not exactly my. That sounds uh... like some Rick talking bullshit. Okay. Speaking of which too, I tweeted it from the account, <laughs> but him doubting Connor Bedard, come on. Like,
1: what dude. did he say exactly about Bedard?
0: He, everybody was like glowing about Bedard and about because they did a whole set. It was a quick segment about like the Bedard sweepstakes and who was at the bottom, and they were showing his highlights and then his stats. And everybody is just glowing, being like, "Yeah, this kid is going to be extremely special." And talk is just like, "I haven't seen enough of him." I. Uh, I, I I don't like know. He what literally is... hasn't seen enough. He like... literally said, "I haven't seen enough of him." What is one guy going to come in and save a whole franchise by himself? I don't know well, yet. Obviously not. Well, yeah, but based it, again, on how that's... these things go. Right, exactly. But it's more the fact of just in any way, shape, or I mean, obviously Bedard hasn't played a game in the NHL yet, but I think we can all agree, based on his junior scoring pace that he is currently playing at, which is historic levels, he's going to be like this is generational stuff right now that this is like going into the mcdavid year and being like Yeah, i don't know mcdavid scoring a zillion points a game right now but i just i I don't think he's there yet i'm i'm not sold yet come on come on this time next year it is going to be laughable to think of that probably yes anyways though back to the point about the sabers offense being elite we're talking about a top five offense that is not a fluke. Like the Sabers, as we, I feel like it's this thing now where, over the past few years, of course, we've had various streaks. Of course, there's the ten game winning streak. There's the start to several several strong starts to the season mixed in there within the past couple of years as well. And I think we constantly are having to check ourselves to be like, okay, well, like this is is this a fluke? Is that a fluke? You know, and looking back and comparing just because of those things the sabers offense that we're seeing right now the production that we're getting out of them the high danger chances that are being created from this team and the finishing ability from this team all scream elite offense so taylor what i want to ask you is it too much of getting ahead of ourselves to say that if this team had average goaltending like and not even saying like oh could they be in the conversation if this team had average goaltending let's call it or let's get real wild here elliot friedman last week uh this week had reported that thatcher demko is probably going to be made available by vancouver because they're looking to get into a rebuild say when demko comes back from injury i think it's in like a month or so that they make a move for demko say and his value is pretty low granted they're gonna have to pay up but Generally speaking, though, with how bad of a start he's gotten off to this year, his value is going to be low. I think that the player that we've seen the past two years from him who has had, I believe, an above 920 save percentage in each of the past two seasons, that is the guy who you would be getting and acquiring in this deal because he's still so young. But they bring him in, say, in a move. And say they – I don't even think they necessarily have to go as far as swinging for the fences with a guy like Chekrin, because it's going to cost a lot. But let's say that they make – some kind of an upgrade to the top four. If it's Chakrin, then I don't think it's any question of what I'm about to say, but let's say that they they do go out and, and get one of those guys. Just a guy who is a, a suitable partner for power, maybe in the deal too, like Yoki Haru goes the other way. Um, I think with this offense, we're talking about like a real playoff team. Like not like, oh, can they get in? Can they not get in? With how much offensive firepower they have right now, this is the offense that like can get you into the playoffs with the clip that they're scoring at right now.
1: Yeah. Especially because the power plays look so good recently too. Uh, they have 105 goals in 26 games, seven more goals than the next best team, which is Dallas. They've been unbelievable. They've been bad at goal prevention though. We even saw it tonight. They gave up four goals. Oh my God. That third and goal I say, needed. They to were have. all pretty bad. They, they were, were all not, bad. Oh, None of them were like, really, like. I, when I saw the first goal live, I was like, oh, line i I'm sure it was a great shot or it seemed like a great shot coming off. And I watched it and it's like, he saw it the whole goddamn way. Right. It, I also thought, Hey, maybe it, cause I, I forgot which defenseman it was, did a pretty good job of closing in. I think it was pilot did a, a pretty good job of closing in on him, but line, a got it off at the last second and it is a good shot, but it's like, he saw it the whole way. Yeah. I don't want to get mad about anything, though. If We could talk about Goltz sometime in the future, but, like, man, we're going to talk about it a lot this year. It's, it's, it's putrid.
0: I think uh, it also <laughs> is fair to say they – I don't know if anybody could have realistically expected them to be scoring as much as they are right now. But, like, they were not expecting to be this good. In the slightest, no, I like, no. and I know obviously, like at the, like the peak of this, like obviously, Tage just scored five goals, so of course they weren't probably expecting him to like blow up like this. Probably just expecting the same guys last year, maybe with like a hair of regression potentially. Still worth the contract, but Comrie coming into this year as your one A, knowing what you know about Anderson and his age and an injury worries and what, whatever you want to call it, the questions and marks about UPL right now. It's obviously not the easiest thing to go out and get a starting goalie, but like, I don't think anybody can, in that organization can look into a camera and say that they were truthfully expecting to be good this year or have to worry about being good this year.
1: Right? No, I don't think so. I think they thought, you know, let's be a little bit better than we were last year and take a step especially because it didn't seem like the playoffs were going to be like a realistic possibility in the East this time last year, the playoffs were set. That's not an exaggeration to me. They were set. Now there was a whole weird thing where Boston hadn't played some games and then Omicron kind of messed things up, but it was clear to me that Boston was going to pass Detroit as soon as they just played enough games. And they did and you'd have to say the very latest by January, they were set and they were literally set two weeks left in the year. Mm -hmm. So I think they might've looked at it like, well, the playoffs aren't even realistic. There's eight really good teams in the East and we just have to have, have some kind of improvement. And they, they've done way more than just a little bit of improvement on offense. But I'm looking at this now uh, with the East. It's like Boston and New Jersey, New Jersey, super weird uh, are super good. But then it's like, Carolina has 34 Pittsburgh and the Islanders have 32 Detroit and Tampa Bay have 31 Florida has 28 Sabres have 25 this isn't like a super far off thing like it was last year Mm -hmm. like immediately so yeah I don't think they were expecting it now might be the time maybe to consider not being uh, well you can't say the worst team in the league at goaltending because I think we just witnessed that yep. the worst <laughs> the worst goaltending team in the league is holy shit. Yeah, but uh, the Sabres are bottom five in goaltending, no doubt. They have an eight eighty five team save percentage. It's yep,
0: Not it's abysmal.
1: It. No, that's nineteen eighty shit. I know, like save percentage is going down league wide, but eight eighty five is still abysmal. For those wondering,
0: can I also bring something up here, Taylor? Yep, I think we need as we're talking about the stuff with them making an addition. Of course, there are going to be people who are going to question it and saying, oh, you don't want to rush anything. I think we're probably past that point right now. So I, I just wanted to acknowledge that without really giving any kind of headway to it. My point that I want to make is, though, and it's a point that we made coming into this year for when the time was going to come. I think this was, it was actually it was Jason Robertson who we were talking about when we had made this point that the Sabres can take multiple big swings and in the grand scheme of things, it does not make a dent into the core of this team. Right. And Demko and Chekrin, while that would be like insane to expect both of those things to happen, let alone one of them. I, You could get both of those guys and it is an, a direct improvement to the roster right now. But also, you will still have plenty to be excited about between Rochester and who they have in in you know other amateur leagues, whether it's the the CHL, college, overseas, what have you. I mean, let's think about what Demco would potentially go for. Twenty six, obviously, you know we're talking about a guy that the past two years has been one of the the premier goalies in the league. So you're going to have to pay up, but it's also he's a goalie. So, you know, the price isn't going to be necessarily uh, over the moon, so to speak. And especially when you're going to be dealing from most likely a position of strength when it's Vancouver, a team that's rebuilding. And then on top of that, Demko's numbers have been so bad this year. And, and Spencer, I mean, even before Demko had gotten hurt, Spencer Martin was starting to eat into his starts a little bit. So it won't be easy, but you should be able to get him for, assuming they go after him, you know, you're going to have to pay up, but not anything I think that would be too, too expensive. Checkrin is where things get a little bit complicated, because you're, you're talking about probably the multiple first round pick equivalents. And so I'm going to assume that you're going to have for sure one protected first round pick, probably like 2024, I would bet. Then on top of that, you're probably looking at like a really high end prospect, probably like an Ostland, maybe. I don't know if it would be Coolidge necessarily. I think they're really high on him and especially with what he's been doing in Rochester, but it's going to be another one of those guys. Maybe it's Rosine, but another equivalent there. And then you're probably talking about maybe another like mid-level prospect potentially, maybe just to take a shot in the dark, you throw in one of like Portillo or Johnson. They'd want to take a swing at having their negotiating rights. So it's going to cost a little bit more there. But again, you're able to make whatever the, the case is with those moves. And who knows? Maybe even with something like but maybe it's going to cost a little bit more than what I had just described there. But in any of those moves, you are literally not making a dent in any of the pieces of the team as it stands right now that would be a detriment to the short or the long term of this team. You still have Quinn and Paterka and cousins. You're still going to obviously have Tage in this. You're still going to have power and Daleen on the blue line. You're still going to have Samuelson, you know, like the core skeleton, the structure of the team that you are going to need to continue to build around and really just supplement at this point is still going to remain intact. So that is the the beauty of having 22 picks over the span of two drafts. And also on top of that, you have draft capital coming up in the form of three second round picks as well. In addition to your next, you know, few firsts, however many you want to go out, you want to, you know, deal, obviously you can't just like sell the farm right away, but there's enough youth here right now that it's not like you're, you know, giving up a ton to go get some win now kind of guy you're going out there to make a move, to get a guy that's going to come in and contribute both now because they're a proven commodity in the league, but also into the future. And I think, I think it's time to do that.
1: I think so too. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just because the playoff drought is a million years long. I think there's, you really shouldn't waste a year. I think most people agree making the playoffs is valuable for players, uh, especially young players but even veterans, the Sabres don't have a lot of guys that have played in the playoffs. Chef Skinner, uh, the, the most games of all time in NHL history. Someone who didn't make the playoffs yep. ever. I believe it's most all time. At the, the very least, he's getting close. So I don't know who on the team's played in the playoffs before. Craig Anderson. Did Oppozo with the Islanders? Oppozo, but got knocked out in the first round, right? No, no, second round, second round. He he actually was on the Islanders team right before he signed here. He was on the first Islanders team in mm. decades to win a playoff series. Besides that, it was like, good lord, Alex Tuck played with the Knights. Yep, Krebs, I don't think played in the playoffs for the Knights.
0: No, no. So really. there's
1: there's just barely any guys on the, on the whole friggin' roster that have played in the playoffs. It's unbelievable. I mean, Lubchushkin played in the first round. There's not many combined playoff games here. It's a very young team, mm-hmm. and. uh, it's it'll be very valuable and it it'd be great for the fans as well, obviously i don't I, it goes without saying uh yeah i and I think the way they're playing right now, they're playing basically playing like a playoff team if they had i don't know seven percent better save percentage, yeah, it'd be a realistic possibility like and they're getting a little bit unlucky in other ways, what you would call cluster luck they have a plus nine goal differential, but they're under. 500 they're what 12 13 and one now yeah so they've been unlucky in that way but i just read the playoff teams off to you they're not that far out of it they're f- they're out of it at the moment for sure like they're not seriously into the discussion but they easily could be in like a week or two have a good couple weeks they could be right in there yep and demco is not even just a band-aid demco is like Demco would be huge. I mean, that's, Demko that's is, your future.
0: Demco is you being able to take as much time as you want to with Levi. I feel like now there's 100%. this expectation where with Levi, he's going to sign at the end of this year. Maybe he gets a couple of games in and the next year, he just is going to go to Rochester. He's going to start there for a year and then he's going to come up. And if you think about it, how many of, and I know Levi's different because obviously, you know, the accolades, the stature, how well he's been playing in college. I get that, but Is that not also kind of similar to the way that people talked about UPL? Is that also kind Mm -hmm. of similar to how people talked about Linus Allmark too? And it takes a little bit longer. It's a perfect scenario where a guy like that is going to be able to step in and be able to take on an NHL load after literally having only one season of playing professional hockey. And so Demko (laughs) is the kind of guy where – what is he now? 26, I think? Yeah. And he's going to have four more years on his contract after this one. I mean – that's kind of perfect because you're going to get him for assuming he turns it around. Obviously the next three years are going to still be prime years for him. And maybe then by that fourth year of his contract, you're bringing Levi up after Levi gets like, let's call it like two full seasons in Rochester, Levi comes up, you still have a competent starting goalie and you're able to make that transition so that it happens naturally. Because think about it. I mean, Thatcher Demko is a perfect example of, what Levi could end up turning into because Demko the, the acquiring Demko would put Levi in the situation that Demko was in when Vancouver had Jacob Markstrom, you know, like Markstrom was the guy there and he was great, but it got to a point that Demko started cutting into the playing time more and more. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, this is the the younger option. And <laughs> now it's time to hand the keys over to maybe a little bit of a different extent, just given age and everything like that. It's also similar to what Florida was doing with Spencer Knight, where he's been, and he's had his struggles like last year. He was not that great. Like he had his struggles for the better part of last year. Now this year, after getting a couple of years, uh, I mean, he came into the NHL very quickly, but after getting, you know, a couple of years of getting acclimated, he's taken over the starting job in Florida now. And Florida is, is still killing it. And it's still Florida. So, That, I think, just gives you that kind of flexibility as compared to going into the offseason and maybe you're making a move for another guy who's maybe a little bit older or maybe somebody who's on the wrong side of 30, for example. Like, I don't know, Jacob Markstrom even potentially now that he's falling out of favor with Dan Vlatter taking more starts away from him. I don't know. I don't think that that that's a move that they would make necessarily. But you get the point that like going after a guy like Demko now it gives you stability because you're betting on him to one turn around, and hopefully that will allow you to acquire him for a little bit cheaper, just given the struggles that he's had on Vancouver this year. But again, you're getting a goalie who has been a above 920 save percentage goalie the past two years. I like there was a reason why coming into this year, and I know it looks horrible now, but he was my Vesna pick for this year. I thought that he w- it was going to be his time to shine and step up because I thought that Vancouver was going to be ready with Boudreau as they had shown themselves to be at the end of last year, but. This is a move for now and into the future. I think it's flexibility that the flexibility that it gives you just cannot be understated.
1: Mm, My Vesna pick was Ilya Sorokin. So you're doing all right. I think he's going to win it. Yeah. You're looking
0: pretty good. That's why you're the brains of the operation.
1: Yeah. You're just the pretty face. I wanted to be the pretty face. What the hell? I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, one more goalie take uh, on the possibility of Jordan Bennington being available. No. Pass. Yeah. No, thanks. (laughs) Anyway, before we get to the rest of the episode, uh, let's hear a quick word from uh, both of our sponsors. Unless there's anything else you wanted to get to. No, that's it quick. for me. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a game tonight, folks, right? You have fun. Everyone had fun, I think. We all well, did. Well, Columbus didn't have fun. Although it looks like a lot of people actually stayed in their arena throughout the game, which is interesting. Probably to I see if shit going to break it. the record. I would have stayed game. in that scenario, actually. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. why not. Shit. All right. So anyway, we had a lot of fun tonight. You know what happened? Tell me. A lot of lighting the lamp. And hockey fans, you can light the lamp too this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just five dollars pre-game money line and any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right. And then our other sponsor, Thin Man Brewery. two you locations. tried the new beer. I did. I tried the uh, sometimes science is more art than science. So I can give the official recommendation. Pretty good beer. Yeah. If you're into fruited sours, you might like it. Okay. But folks, Thin Man Brewery, Elmwood Avenue, Chandler Street. There are two locations. Starting this Friday, we have a, a couple more things that'll be available at Thin Man. Barrels and Harmony, which is a blended barrel aged ale consisting of Elijah Craig bourbon barrel aged imperial start. Sorry. Let me let me say that again. Elijah Craig bourbon barrel beige, barrel beige, barrel aged (laughs) imperial stout, a barley wine aged in four roses bourbon barrels, and a Baltic porter aged in Canadian maple syrup barrels. Blended together over coconut and vanilla, 12.4% Jesus, Folks, only have one or two of those I would recommend if you're going to have any. (laughs) Or shit, don't listen to me. Go crazy. It's the weekend, right? There you go. Next, we have Strictly for the Weather West Coast IPA, which is only on draft. Classic Hop Blend of Chinook, Centennial, and Columbus Hops. 7.4% APV. Then we have Through the Haze I Can See. American IPA, also only available on draft. Brewed with flaked oats and mosaic Citra. Citra, sorry. Cascade Hops. Yeah, Citra. (laughs) Mosaic Citra and Cascade Hops. Coming in at 5.8%. So you can have like 20, 30 of those limited <laughs> quantities though. So I'll get there soon. And plus bills versus jets. That's Sunday at 1. PM. Uh, you can, uh, if you go there, like we did a couple of, a uh, couple weeks ago to watch the uh, other bills jets game. This one's going to go much better. I promise. I agree. Brendan would know what we got there. Do you remember what was freely available when the Bills scored a touchdown? Jello shots, jello shots, very strong jello shots, uh, our friend Yvonne, who you heard from a few weeks ago at Thin Man, says they are made by the evil bar staff who like to ensure everyone has as much fun as possible during the Josh Allen era, and he urges people to drink responsibly. Amen. Uh, and then last thing, we're only a few weeks away from New Year's. It's got to be 2023, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're listening to this on Thursday, just over three weeks away. So uh, I'm going to mention now, and this is something you know you can get on as soon as possible. Tickets are already on sale for the New Year's party. There's an open bar, general admission, two DJs, champagne, limited release loggers and IPAs. The kitchen's going to be cranking all night. And I went to it last year, honestly, before they were even our sponsor. Uh, I had a great time. I think it's like 50 bucks or something like that. I, I could tell you the exact price, but it's somewhere in there. And uh, I thought it was super fun last year. So it'll probably be fun this year again, too. And who knows? You might see us. You might not. Who knows? Anyway. That's uh that's it for Thin Man. So, let's, we uh, love let's Thin on. Man. So, uh, we were talking a little bit about Demco, about possible chicken trade or maybe someone else, anyone but Jordan Biddington. maybe a defenseman, maybe uh, a goalie, that would be involved trading prospects. Mm. So, the Sabres have the number one prospect pool in hockey, according to everyone, and that even. Uh, Continues now after graduating Owen Power, uh, Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, Matias Samuelson, and frankly, UPL, too. (laughs) Uh, So, you know our thoughts on pretty much all those guys. Uh, We love them, folks. We do. (laughs) It's not UPL. But like UPL, good kid. Figure it out or something. Uh, The other ones all having a good year. We don't really need to talk about them again. We're going to talk about the guys you haven't been seeing. If you, Unless, I don't know, you're watching a lot of... uh, amateur hockey or ahl i don't know if chris baker's listening to this you probably have seen these guys (laughs) uh so i'm just going to go through this is just going to be a quick thing it's not a deep dive and maybe just give a a thought or two on each guy i mentioned yeah start i just this is not a random collection i think it's some of the biggest guys it's not everyone though i i didn't round up everyone so it's not complete and also if you uh are wondering where is it olivier nadu or oliver Nadu? i think it's oliver isn't it Yeah, I saw there's an E in his name, so I wasn't sure what to do with Mm -hmm. that. Anyway, Nadu, if you're wondering why I didn't mention him, he hasn't played since the summer. He has a shoulder injury, so I don't know when he's going to be back. He hasn't played at all this year. So no mentioning him. So let's start with Devin Levi. He's a 930 save percentage in 16 games, 22 points lower than last year. I don't know if that's a concern, but last year was so good that he could drop by 22 points, and he's still going to be in the awards conversation at the end of the year. Uh, Thoughts?
0: not necessarily something to worry about. I mean, last year he was just playing on another level. Also let's keep in mind too, the team's getting both a year older for Northeastern, but also I believe they lost a couple of guys too coming out of this year. I know they had a, a good amount of the team was returning, but yeah, I'm not concerned at all. I think Levi is probably the most valuable piece to this team. That's not currently in the NHL right now. And that has not changed at all with his season that he's having this year, which is still good.
1: 100%. Um, and then the other most important prospect I would say is Savoy. He's been getting talked about a lot in the WHL. Uh, he's on a lower pace than last year. Points wise, mm-hmm. he has 12 goals and 17 assists. Good for 29 points and 23 games, which is good, but it's not really draft plus one for a ninth overall pick. Good. So what are your right. thoughts on that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's. You know, and of course, the other news, too, is that he did not make the uh, preliminary roster for Team Canada for the World Juniors. So that's obviously disappointing, but I don't think it's anything that's necessarily a cause for concern. I mean, Savoy is still producing, obviously, just not to the, the pace that we'd like him to be at this stage of the game, as you had said before. But I'm not necessarily worried about it. I mean, you know, the pieces are still there. He's still very, very young. It's one year of his development that... Currently, a season's not even close to being over yet either, you know? Like, we'll see what happens down the home stretch, and I think that, you know, maybe he's just going through a bit of a slump to start the year, but as we've seen through both current Sabres and also, you know, Sabres of yesterday, that when you're coming up through the ranks and you're developing as a prospect, or even when you're in the NHL, The halfway mark of the year could be a big, big differentiator for some guys. And some guys can use that as a reason to turn it on and they just find something in themselves and it makes you forget about the struggles in the first half of the year. And I think Rasmus Dahlin is a guy that comes to mind with that. Sam Reinhardt is a guy that comes to mind with that, where, you know, let's give it a little bit of time here. I'm not really worried about it. And even if Savoy, oh, heaven forbid, he continues to score at a point per game pace this year. I still will not be, you know, jumping ship or anything like that. So we'll see what happens. Give it some time, and who knows? Maybe getting snubbed from Team Canada is ultimately going to be a chip on his shoulder that he needs to really turn it on.
1: Well, it'll be interesting. Uh, so then I'm just going to do a couple guys at the same time here. The Rochester fellas. Oh yeah, Isaac Rosen, draft plus two year, uh, three goals, eleven assists for fourteen points in twenty games. Coolidge, five goals, nine assists, and fourteen points. In 20 games, draft plus one year for him. Mm-hmm. And then uh Kisikov, three goals, one assist, four points. Actually, I'm going to cut it off there. And then we'll mention the other Rochester guy after those three. Any thoughts?
0: I mean, it's great to see, like they've all been coming on a lot stronger lately. I think the thing that's really exciting and not necessarily surprising, given his draft profile, is that it feels like Coolidge is kind of exactly turning into who we thought he was going to be. And one of the things that I think made him so attractive as a pick, and where the spot that we got him was his ability to be ready to play professional hockey right now at this age. And he's showing that. And then some, his style is very conducive to the AHL and it's going to be conducive to the NHL as well. And so I'm really, really excited to just continue to see him, you know, throughout the rest of the year. I mean, if he keeps producing at the pace that he is and continues to improve, maybe he's somebody who ends up getting an injury call up at some point to reward him for that. Um, Kisikov, he has been, you know, continuing to get better as the year has gone on. It's nice to see that these guys are getting a, a run together on a line. It's, you know, I, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Walter. Somebody had said that it's kind of the Rochester version of the kid line. But, yeah, Kisikov is, a, again, another one who, even though he's not necessarily one of, like, the the bigger, sexier names, I guess, among the prospects not currently on the team, he's somebody that I think is going to be interesting to watch and can turn into a really effective depth score for them. And then Rosine was the other one you said, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, first round pick, obviously, from the Philly deal. And again, it, the big thing with him, too, is that he has a lot more physical challenges than a guy like Coolidge does. So seeing him being able to adapt his game, that was the big thing we talked about in one of our season preview episodes when we were talking about the prospects is that the big thing with Rosen is going to be, you know, you're a skilled guy. You're a scorer. How are you going to adapt to the AHL, which is a little bit more physical? And he's been able to do that increasingly as the season has gone on. And then a guy who's been,
1: I think, probably a pleasant surprise so far this year, Rusek, four goals, 10 assists, 14 points in 20 games. Another guy with 14 points in 20 games. Yeah, I I mean,
0: again, Rusek is a guy that I guess probably to a lesser extent than Kisikov maybe, but maybe not, maybe pretty similarly are guys that you're just hoping can turn into some depth forwards for you that – I think both of them. Their ceiling is maybe they can end up being a, a quality bottom six guy for you, or maybe it's you know, and a they can turn out to be like your thirteenth forward at some point. You know, at this stage of the game, with the amount of capital that the Sabers have in the form of of their prospects and then upcoming picks that they have, really the big thing outside of those first rounders, the higher name guys, w- when you're picking in pretty much rounds two through seven, anybody who can get that maybe seems like they're the kind of guy that can stick it in the NHL and, or carve out a role for themselves, that's really what you're looking for there, especially as you get further and further into the draft, obviously. And so for the, the case of a guy like Rusek, I mean, yeah, if he's able to continue to perform and continue to make himself a prominent contributor to this Rochester team. Again, he's another guy that's worth keeping in mind for maybe a call up down the line too. Again, it should injury concerns arise. So really good to see. I, I just, again, the more guys that can turn into NHL contributors the better or are seeming like it the better. So let's just keep pumping them out in Rochester. And that's uh it, it's been
1: really encouraging to see. All right. Then we have, uh, I guess kind of a disappointing one, uh, Kozak, one goal, two assists, three points in twenty games. Yeah. We talked a lot about him. I, I honestly hadn't even thought about Kozak since the, uh, I, I guess you would say training camp and the, the game we, the prospect game we went to. He mm-hmm. looked awesome against the other prospects, and then you go to the AHL and he has been non-existent points-wise. Yeah, it's really disappointing to see. But again, he's a guy that he's a
0: seventh-round pick, and so. If he would have stepped in right off the bat, even though he was looking as good as he was last year and in training camp and everything, it would have been pretty surprising to see that from, again, a guy who was a seventh rounder. It would have definitely been an outlier to say the least. But I mean, he's younger. And again, it, it's a long season. There's still, we're only what, like 30, 40% into the year so far right now? If that. So there's a lot of games left. There's a lot of time. And a lot of these guys, too, who are just, you know, it's to a lesser extent than than Kissikov, but it's a similar thing where and all the young guys, for that matter, they're they're adapting to this new style for most of them. They were playing in drastically different types of leagues last year versus different competition and and different play styles on the ice and different skill sets and. So it's going to take some adapting. And I think in the case of Kozak, he's going to be asked to step up more next year because a lot of these guys, maybe not a lot, but like a a couple of them very well could be graduating. And he's going to be called upon as a a second year professional to be able to step into a bigger role. And so let's see how he handles this stretch of the year. I mean, Rochester has been killing it right now. They're seemingly trending towards making the playoffs again. Let's see how these guys look down the stretch when there's a little bit of pressure on the line and they have to play some meaningful
1: games. And now let's move on to the other first round pick from last year. Noah Osland, two goals, nine assists, 11 points in 19 games in the top Swedish league. Yeah. I haven't really
0: caught much of him this year, but from what I've been reading in baseline stats, I mean, it feels like a pretty good place for him right now, which is great. So I, that's somebody that I definitely want to check in more a little bit on. I mean, he hasn't really as much been on my, my radar as some of the North American guys, but Again, Osland is a guy that you invested this first-round pick in last year due to his hockey sense and due to his ability to play a really sound two-way game. So as long as he is continuing to hone that, all the better. All right.
1: And another guy who we haven't heard, I don't think people talk about him much at all, of late Prokor Poltopov, with five goals and an assist for six points in 35 games, but is playing in the KHL. And...
0: Our, our pal, Matt Scott had sent us on Instagram. Did you see this? He pulled posted a picture with none other than Sabres legend, Mikhail Gregorenko. Wow. Oh yeah.
1: I don't love that to be honest. No, I don't (laughs) It's hard to know what to make of Pultipov. I didn't actually look up his minutes per game. Uh, The K is it's a real league. It's either the second or third best league in the world. And probably second now that I'm saying that out loud. Uh-huh. So it's uh, on the other hand, though, guys like him. Uh, there's that reputation, basically, that it's like, well, you're not a great player here and you're leaving anyway. Why are we going to waste time playing you uh, many minutes? And I, you know, I worry about that not getting enough time. Maybe he comes over next year and goes to Rochester. Hmm? That'd be nice. It but
0: would hard be to know
1: much beyond them. I'm not going to watch KHL games.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, hey, they got Kisikov over here. Let's see if hopefully in the next couple of years we can start to get some of the other guys over.
1: All right, so here's another one. Uh, A junior guy, Josh Bloom, has six goals, seven assists, 13 points in nine games in the OHL, but he's draft plus two, isn't he? He is, but he's
0: somebody I feel like that's really been trending in the right direction. Also, bonus points for him. Isn't his dad very active on Twitter, too? yeah isn't there like he likes people's nice tweets about him yeah about his son we love that wholesomeness he's a friend of the pod
1: now in my book 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah so is he going to college is did i hear that right is, or he? is he i well, could be mistaken no i think he isn't he in the he's in the O right now he's in the O. yeah but i meant like he's gonna be one of those later college fellas um, but i i don't know actually i i might have i might be confusing him with someone else uh yeah, I don't he, not that anything I've seen on that, I don't believe, Taylor. So do we think he's in Rochester next year then too? I think very likely, yeah. Oh, good for him. Uh who else do I have here? I think we have two more guys left. Both NCAA guys. One is there's not much to say about it. It's Ryan Johnson. He has a goal and seven assists for eight points in 18 games. He's never been a big point producer as a defenseman, but people like him anyway as a stay at home guy uh he can wait till august 15th and then be an unrestricted free agent not true unrestricted free agency obviously the the college unrestricted free agent weird thing right. uh but he might still sign so he's worth keeping an eye on it or is he do you think he's worth keeping an eye on or do you think he's gone
0: i don't think it's necessarily fair to say that he's out the door quite yet until he actually is i, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I would have to think that a lot of it also, maybe not a lot, but at least part of it is going to depend on how the team looks the rest of the year, right? Because you're probably thinking about opportunities that are available, but also if you're in the position of being a college UFA, you probably are also thinking, well, if I'm going to have the option of going somewhere, I could go to like a really good competitive team where maybe they have a spot open or something like that. And so for the Sabres, if they're continuing to score like this and surprise the league I guess maybe they do make an upgrading goal maybe they don't but either way maybe they stay around like a 500 team who is just like very exciting and is seeming like one of those teams that's going to be on the precipice of taking this big next step maybe that entices him to stay because the opportunity and the same I think could also be said of Eric Portillo in that regard too
1: well that's the next guy I was going to bring up actually uh, a guy that went back to college that probably shouldn't have now it's his his business yeah. what he wants to do but the two big things, first of all, uh I think he he in his first two years, he wasn't Levi level good, but he was good enough that he absolutely you could say the next step was the AHL. He had accomplished yeah. what he should have accomplished in college, and it was time to move on from that. For that example, you're kind of wasting a year yep, just to dominate in college. And guess right. what? He's not. He's a 902 save percentage. Not good. And Michigan is not nearly as good as they have been the past two years. Nope. no. Uh, it's fascinating. 15 games in. I mean, that's not the smallest sample size in the world. This is a guy that you would expect to be building on what he did in the past and may have been breaking into the 940s. He's at 902. I was shocked when I saw that today. Yeah, it's it's pretty surprising.
0: And again, maybe that lessens his options too. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, maybe he has I mean, to But sign. also, though, for, that's the thing. When it comes to Portillo, and Levi, it doesn't matter because I think he's going to sign. But you look at the goaltending situation here. You have old man river craig anderson you have eric Comrie who has yet to prove himself as a starter in the league i mean we're only also going off of 20 odd games last year too to think that he can like hack it in the nhl which like i think he probably can as a backup obviously when you put up those kind of numbers even if it is a short sample size and you have upl who has looked less than stellar and the fact of the matter is, is that the Sabres won nine to four tonight and you and I both had to make a point of being like, yeah, UPL letting a couple of really rough goals. All things considered, how could this opportunity not be, be any better for him? Like if you're a competitor for one, like, yeah, you have this grand opportunity in front of you where there's this whole right now and goal for the Sabres when they are this ridiculously high scoring and exciting team. But also on top of that, if you're a competitor literally probably the most competitive peer that you have is the goalie that's standing across from you that's also trying to win this job don't you want to at least try and take it upon yourself to be like you know what let me challenge myself right now i could be better than this guy i could be better than devin levi right i i I mean to me that makes sense like that would drive me like there's a ton of opportunity here, probably more than anywhere else. When you look at some of like the heavier hitters of of teams out there, I mean, unless he's thinking about going to like, I don't know, where's a a team that maybe has uncertain goaltending, like Colorado, but even then, like how long is that going to realistically take for you to get there? And with Colorado having Georgiev right now, like obviously he's proving that, you know, you can kind of play anybody competently there and that's great, but Again, you can play anybody competently there. So is Chicago or is Colorado going to be, you know, like a, a real destination for that or any of the other these other teams? I mean, what kind of situation could you be looking for that you wouldn't have with the Sabres? Yeah, it is interesting. Aside from like a bigger city and stuff like that, that stuff all matters too. But I mean, in terms of strictly opportunity.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I mean, why did Kel Peterson leave? Yeah. I mean, it did, to me, it didn't look that backed up when he was here. You had Leonard and Allmark, but like, I, I I don't know. That would, that's maybe he wanted the, the shiny bright lights of LA, by the way, Cal Peterson, AHL goalie. Now a lot of people were upset about losing him. Yikes. Yeah. His contract is terrible. There's a lot of that. That's the thing. I think, I think people are like, wow, the Sabres suck. They really got to get a goalie. And it's like, good goalies don't get traded during the season a lot. This right. Demko thing could be a gift if it's real, but like, so kale peterson sucks and he has a terrible they gotta do trends. it if it's real right like it, it's not 100%. a matter of them yeah. it,
0: it's not a matter of should they shouldn't they like with robertson where it's like oh this guy <sighs> might be on the table this would be amazing what a piece this would be like obviously robertson is one of the best goal scorers in the league like no doubt but like it's even similar with like Chekrin, too like Chekrin is great and you have a real legitimate need to fill out the rest of that top four because Yogi Haru is not cutting it there. And whether it's putting Chekran on the right, or you move Samuelson to the right with power and you play Chekrin and Darlene together, whatever. I don't even think that comes as close to the Demko thing because yeah, premium defensemen are hard to come by. Premium scores are hard to come by, but a goalie of Demko's stature with what could eventually end up being a, a good contract too. You know, he's obviously not playing up to it now, but assuming he's able to get back to being a 920 guy and having goal support in front of him, this just feels like it's a move that, like, if Vancouver is actually putting him on the market and shopping him, you need to get it done. It's not a matter of it being a good idea or not. It is Kevin Adams' responsibility to get it done because look around the league. Like you said, like, these goalies, like, they don't become available every day, but also on top of that, Who is even that realistic that we would want to move that we think would really move the needle for this team that would be coming up? I I don't think of any, I can't think of anybody who, who would be available that would actually do it in the way that Demko possibly could. So I think it's a need. I don't think it's, we want to do this. I think you need to go and get him. You have the capital to do it. Even if you have to overpay a little bit, who cares, go get it done. Like get him here. Because also this is the other thing we have to keep in mind. Levi and Portillo, outstanding prospects, but as is the case with goalies, not a sure thing until they actually are in the NHL improving
1: it. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, well, anyway, that's, that's a prospect wrap up. Uh, you can afford to lose a few of those guys mm-hmm. if you want. I mean, if you want to make a big trade like that shit, they can't all make the NHL anyway. So exactly. Uh, anything else do you have, bud? I don't.
0: That that really about does it for me. I'm just like, I'm firmly on the Demco train right now. I think it's a, a, it's not a luxury. It's a move that you need to go make happen right now before somebody else does. You don't yep. think there's going to be other teams sniffing around that other teams oh, who are right, really yeah. good, who could say, Hey, this is Demco, like 925, 926 guy, Thatcher Demco, who's 26 years old. I mean, nobody has the, the capital that we have use it go use it trade unproven commodities for a proven commodity that can literally be the difference between you being a playoff team this year or not
1: right right do you have any other thoughts Mm, it was a fun game tonight i gotta say i enjoyed it quite a bit it really
0: was (laughs) They they kicked some ass. Rasmus Dallin on point or on pace for a hundred points.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, no sabres defenseman's ever had 70 except your boy, Phil Housley. So <laughs> Famously my boy. Yeah, Dallin should be there. Tage could be their first fifty goal scorer since McGilney or LaFontaine. Might have been the same year actually, so maybe both of them. Uh Tuck should be a 30-goal scorer. Skinner should be a 30-goal scorer. Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka could get in the 20s. Uh, own Power, going to get some Norris votes. Not Norris. Calder? Jesus, Calder <laughs> votes. Yeah, not Norris. Sorry, I'm not jumping the gun on that one. Dalene will get some Norris votes.
0: Absolutely.
1: And Don Granado could get some Jack Adams votes. I mean, if they yeah. make the playoffs, he's going to win it. Or if they don't make the playoffs, you know who's going to win it? Who? A good friend. Lindy Ruff.
0: Mm, mm, mm. That'll be two-time Jack Adams winner, Lindy Ruff. It sure will be. Goddamn. Goddamn. Taylor, do you have any uh, recommendations for the people today?
1: So I saw The Menu and Bones and All and The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. All pretty good. Early. I mean, it was the two movies were really good. Um, the Guardians Holiday Special. You want to hear a problem I had with it? Give it to me. All right the entire soundtrack of the guardians movies is music that peter quill listened to on earth which is almost entirely very popular 70s and 80s rock i don't know that there's a movie that play a song that plays in either of those two movies that's not one of those songs Mm -hmm. now this is a christmas holiday special and they do Two songs in there, two of my favorite Christmas songs, but not songs that Peter Quill would have listened to as a child in middle America in the 1980s, which is Christmas Rapping by the Waitresses and The Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues. No way.
0: You mean to tell me that in the 80s, Peter Quill wouldn't have been listening to Julian Casablanca's as well? Why is that? He had a song in it. In the Harley special? Julian Casablanca's does a cover. He has a recorded cover. And it's in a bunch of commercials too of Christmas Treat, the SNL like I wish it was Christmas Today song. And oh wow. There's the scene, it's pretty early on in the movie where it's like it's the, the jets like flying through space, and that is playing. Yeah, Julian Casablancas
1: getting so the Marvel me- money, baby. Yeah, wow. They so they broke with their their trend. Because Peter Cole didn't listen to any of that shit. Are you kidding me? I mean, the thing is, those are, I I don't I think Fairy in New York came out in the eighties, and Christmas Rapping definitely came out in the eighties. But come on, that's not Peter Cole music. He'd have no idea who the waitresses were. Maybe it's his modern playlist, man. Does he hit modern music? I thought he was stuck with the music he had from there. I would have to another think quibble. He has- why He's does Kevin turn to Earth? Oh, uh, maybe he does get new music. Why does Kevin Bacon not know what aliens are? Shouldn't everyone on Earth know there are aliens by now? and be not kind of kind of not surprised by that. They did anyway. break
0: into his house.
1: Yeah, but he was shocked at what they were—not just that they broke into his house.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But if you're just kidnapped by them and then, you know, it could lead to some questioning, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, for sure. Also, I think based on this and Black Panther, if you're like a cop in in the MCU world at some point when you roll up and it's some crazy shit, you're like, mm, back up everyone. We're calling in like the Avengers or whomever. You're not just going to be like rolling up as normal cop with your Glock to be like, sir, get down. And the guy like eating a car or something like that. Like at some point they'd be like, we're not, I'm not dealing with this shit. Are you kidding me? Aliens again? No. <laughs> a good um, but that, None of those are my recommendation. Although I say bones and all super gross i was lightheaded walking out of it but i really liked it hate
0: that
1: it, it disgusted me i can't even say why on here it's too gross disgusted me but i no, really no, liked no. it um and then oh my recommendation is something i've never recommended before an article i'm asking people oh. to read the seth wickersham ESPN oh. pn article on andrew luck
0: so good so <laughs> good. interesting
1: So I always thought – everyone pretty much thought Luck retired because he just didn't want to keep dealing with injuries and rehab Uh, because for those who don't know, he got hurt his fourth season. He got hurt and played hurt most of the year and then eventually had to sit out and then basically never got better and had to play the entire 2016 season hurt, set out the last game of the year to get surgery, and then that took forever to get better. He had to sit out the entire 2017 season. It was a year-plus-long process, worked his way back, and finally – 2018 new coach good coach frank reich good coach at the time new gm good team he works his way back into shape and then hurts his ankle and then his a that was a whole nother to do so go as a it, people remember he retired in late august he retired right before the season started he was gonna have to miss way more time with his ankle and there's never a timeline that made sense and all that stuff so i always knew injuries were a factor i did not realize or maybe no one did until this article. Maybe Andrew Luck didn't even know at the time. That part of the reason he subconsciously wanted to retire is because he didn't like what football made him mm-hmm. as a as a person, which is interesting. Not in a like um terrible way that footballs are terrible people or whatever, but his he's just kind of not a football kind of guy. Not football, quarterback. He's not really a quarterback. You can't be a quarterback really and be reserved or timid anyway, or like kind of the quiet, thoughtful type that likes books. You have there's a certain kind of guy you have to be. And one of the great anecdotes is that he just ordered dinner for people. And he was so wrapped up in being that like that habit that when he was working with like, I don't know, it was a psychiatrist. It was or... the,
0: it was the sports psychiatrist when he sports was in psychiatrist. the uh, Netherlands, I believe. Yeah. And
1: he tried to order the guy dinner and the guy was like, stop, what are you doing? And he oh realized how God. insane it was. And it was a lot of stuff like that, that I just think quarterbacks are, and maybe it's not just quarterbacks, maybe it's superstar athletes, that I have to be like leaders on the team, you have to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And quarterback's the best example of it. It doesn't, it's not a necessarily good or bad thing, but if you're a guy who isn't naturally like that and doesn't want to be like that, yeah, then you won't want to be like that. I'm not spoiling the whole article, by the way, there's a whole bunch in there. That's really interesting. It's yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. And I mean, so he, you can tell Wickersham kind of hints at um, Tom Brady's divorce in there. doesn't come out and say it, what is it? Well, wait, like, What part he talks about how so many quarterbacks are so football obsessed and, you know, you can let the rest of your life be ruined or something like that. He didn't say it in those exact words, oh. but uh, there's something that's kind of hinting at um football can kind of run your life in that position. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady's an extreme example, obviously, but there's like a lot of. I mean, a lot of guys in general, you're like, this guy's not really, this guy doesn't really seem like a functional human. Right. It just kind of like Drew Brees always struck me as a little bit off in that way. Although he, he at least had a family that he didn't abandon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it was a really fascinating article. I really liked it. It was really well reported. Wickersham's always great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Andrew Luck, interesting guy. The guy, not to spoil this too, but he's in grad school to be a teacher what an interesting fellow he is and and
0: for coaching too he's trying to get into coaching
1: yeah yeah very interesting
0: it was i mean Uh, it's a great piece and i think it 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 shows just like how insightful he is i mean that is a dude who went to stanford you know like and -hmm. like actually like has the fucking brains to just do whatever the hell he wants like he is just a very very smart dude I feel like reading that piece too. I mean, it was pretty eye opening with some of the struggles like you had mentioned too, but I think like the, the main thing I was walking away from was like, all right, cool. I'm happy that I was like really rooting for this dude and like really liked him a lot, like during his career, you know, like he had to go through so much and just the fact that like his injuries, like you had talked about before were handled so poorly too by the Colts organization. That was another takeaway that I had from that. Like, he, the struggles that he had in his career could have like the injury issues. I feel like definitely could have been avoided, but they just let them compound and get worse and worse without actually trying to get to the bottom of it. It literally took him leaving the country to get his body. Right.
1: Yeah, no, that, that whole thing is messed up. And it always annoyed me at the time that people were like, he quit on the team. It's like, you moron. He's talking about having to do rehab again. He wasn't going to play. we have never gotten clarity on what the timeline was like, but he, the whole thing was about doing, more lengthy rehab with this ankle injury. Right. And he wasn't playing in the preseason because of it. He wasn't going to play most of that year. And then after that, it's like, well, are you saying he's quitting on the team because he's not getting ready for 2020? Right. Like that's kind of a ridiculous way to look at athletics that you owe your team to, to not retire. Anyway, yeah, as a fellow 29 yeah. year old, I would love to retire. Uh, Andrew Luck. Let me know how Rude. I can do that.
0: There's gotta so, be a way. Hit me up. I'm sure he's listening. He's a big, big Sabres guy. I don't know if you knew that or not.
1: I did not know that. No. Yeah. No, he's an avid listener.
0: Yep. Wow. uh... (laughs) What's that?
1: I didn't. So is he like, uh... you think he ever watches with Ray J? I think they'd have a lot to talk about.
0: Him and Ray J? Oh, constantly. I mean, Ray J is like an avid, avid listener. Like he's listening in on like every single episode you know, whereas I think Andrew Luck is like when he has the time to between classes and whatnot, like he'll listen to us on his walks around the Stanford campus.
1: A hundred percent. They have a lot to talk about. You know, Andrew Luck's like you know, stuff being a you know famous athlete because people try to use you, use you to springboard their own fame. And Ray J is like, friggin' tell me about it, man.
0: Mm-mm. Something Ray J knows all too well. But look at him go. Yep an illustrious career. You know, we, we miss you, Ray J. Your, your short stint as a, as our sponsor, not, not his product. It was Ray J. Everybody make no mistake yep. about it. Ray yep. J, Ray J personally
1: gave us money. He did. Do you have hey, a recommendation?
0: I do. So I am going to recommend because she sadly passed away. Christine McVee, of course, legendary songwriter and pianist, I'm going to recommend the Fleetwood Mac classic, You Make Loving Fun, sang by Christine McVie, RIP. I will also, I'm going to give a preemptive recommendation, which I'm sure it'll be my recommendation for Monday's episode. But one of my favorite artists in general, SZA, is dropping a new album on Friday. So very, very excited for that as well. I'm pretty sure it's a double album too. So that is going to rule. SZA is one of the best R&B artists out there right now. So highly, highly, highly recommend tuning into that because I think it's going to be really, really good. The follow up to her debut album, which was Control, which is, in my opinion, one of the best albums of the 21st century. Good stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you are checking out all of our fellow shows. And make sure you're checking out the presenters of this podcast on social media, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can also find us. Straight Up Sabers, make sure you're checking us out. And again, whatever streaming platform you're using right now to listen to this episode, make sure you leave us a nice review or rating whatever it may be and also make sure you're followed or subscribed to us whatever your platform dictates last but not least our sponsors make sure you are hitting up DraftKings using that promo code thpn to take advantage of those great deals and thin man brewery whatever you're up to this weekend go catch the bills game there if you're looking to go get some dinner on friday or saturday night or you're looking to go out and grab drinks either way regardless of what your plans are make a stop at thin man you will not regret it Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. This is Ben, Straight Up Sabers.